You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On NBA Draft. My name is Richard Stamen. You know me better as Mavs or Magic Draft at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Got a really fun episode for you today. This one's going to be about four big men who I see as undrafted or second round sleepers, just kind of steals that could be had that can make an impact within a couple of years in the league. But first, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Find me on Locker Room at, usually on Wednesdays around 3 4 p.m. Central Time. Uh, I usually talk, I have NBA draft rooms just taking Q&A. Uh, so join me there. Download for free on the iOS uh, app store, and it's completely free. Uh, so this episode will be about Charles Bassey of Western Kentucky, Colin Castleton of University of Florida, Keve Aluma of Virginia Tech, and Sandro Mamukelashvili of Seton Hall. So let's start off with Charles Bassey. He's the headliner of the group, probably the highest rated prospect of the four players. Charles Bassey, I recently posted a scouting report for Bassey. Uh, Currently, he sits on my board at number 65. He's very hard for me to evaluate. I keep going back and forth. There's some times where I feel like he could be in the 30s on my board, maybe even early 40s. And then other times where I don't know if I want to draft him because he just makes some very avoidable mistakes, defends with his hands a little bit too much. So he's a little bit of a mixed bag. His points per game, he averaged uh, for the year this year, he averaged 17.5 points per game, had 11.6 rebounds, 0.7 assists, 0.4 steals, but three blocks per game with two turnovers per game. And that was on 59% shooting. Uh, also shot 30.5% on two threes per game with 76% from the free throw line. So that's a lot to take in. And he also took uh, a ton of shots at the rim. Over half of his shots, he shot 77% while at the rim. So you can tell where he is best is going to be at the rim on both ends, really. Um, but let's dive into his pros and cons. So in uh, the whole scouting report, he's 6'10", 239. This was, uh, I believe, the 2019 uh, measurements, but he had seven three and a half wingspan and a nine foot one and a half standing reach. So pretty good measurements for a big man, you know, at 6'10", 6'11". He's over that seven foot wingspan that you want. His greatest tools are going to be his rebounding, his frame, like a, like I said before, uh, and then rim protection ability and potential. So the pros for him are that he's an outstanding rebounder. Rebounding, I've talked about this before, is probably the number one skill that translates. And then he also is pretty athletic, runs the floor well, which gives me upside give me gives me hope, excuse me, about his upside as a rim running five. Uh, he also has pretty strong upper body and long arms, so helps him finish at the rim really well and even protect the rim. Uh, but kind of to go off of that and a little bit into the cons slightly early, but he does need to add weight, especially in the lower body. He can be bullied a little bit too much on the low block that way. Uh, he's best in the pick and roll offensively. He's a pretty good finisher at the rim. As I said, 77% from at the rim uh, this year. Good low post touch. Uh, that's how what I have for the uh, pros and also some shooting upside. Now, the cons are a little bit more diverse. I think he really needs to refine his shooting mechanics it's not that smooth of a shot. It's mostly arms based. It doesn't have much legs. 
he needs to add more lower body strength. Uh, he needs to be more disciplined. He bites on a lot of fakes defensively. If you do two fakes on him, he's probably up in the air or has fouled you, has gotten handsy, uh, which kind of leads with leads into the fact that he defends with his hands far too often for my liking. He also, uh, going on defense, his pick-and-roll defense can kind of come and go. Sometimes it's there, just some games it's not. So it really varies game to game. He also needs to get in better shape and, and improve uh, conditioning. He has some injury history, which I don't want to hold against him, but I've seen in the Conference USA tournament where he was holding his knee too often where it seems like he still hasn't fully recovered from some of those injuries. He also offensively needs to improve his vision. He doesn't always look for good uh, passes or necessarily just cutters. And then the last few things are that, the, again, offensive-based, his game is a little bit outdated with low post focus. How will it look in the NBA when his game is entirely changed? And then the very last thing is that he sometimes has, hesitates to play help defense on drives. You know, sometimes he just doesn't know what decision to make, and it can kind of lead him into no man's land. So that's a little bit tricky of a rundown. That kind of player is hard to dissect. My ideal role for him um, would be a rim runner with quick post offense. If you wanted to maximize that post skill, that's probably the best way. Get his man beat in transition and just have him post up two, you know, two dribbles and he's got the look. Like he's got the skill to do that. I think some of the players that he reminds me of I'm not going to say all of these are comparisons, kind of a blend of each of these players, but there's some Hassan Whiteside in him. There's some Salah Mejri. If you're a Mavs fan, you remember him. Uh, there's also some Derek Favors in him. There's some Nene. And then the other guy, Cristiano Felicio, that's an absolute worst-case scenario. I don't really see that as a, as a possibility, so I wouldn't worry too much about that one. But the other ones, not necessarily all at their primes, but at some point in their career, I think those are decent names to be thrown around with. I think he looks in the draft range. I think you're looking at 35 to 60 for him. Again, he's someone who I think if a team is sold on his upside and ability to defend the rim and be a rim runner, and which is a pretty modern skill to have as a big man, I think you know that's valuable enough that teams might trick themselves into – or not trick themselves, but like convince themselves, excuse me, to take him. And then I could also see him falling towards the end of the draft just because the value of big men is just not that valuable. So the roles, the floor, median outcome, and ceiling I kind of drew up. I, I put unplayable if if his defense isn't performing, whether it's his tendency of hunting blocks or often being in foul trouble. Bassey will be a defensive first player, rim runner second. So I think in order to succeed, that kind of leads into the meeting the expectations. Really, if he can protect the rim, he's staying on the floor. That has to be his number one focus. Stop fouling. He uses his hands way too much, way more than he even needs to, especially given the the competition that he's facing in the Conference USA. And then offensively, I think that I, I'm pretty confident offensive skill translates uh, decently at least, but the defense is far and away his biggest uh, need to transfer over. So for the meets expectations tab, I put Bassey runs the floor uh, and adequately, adequately protects the rim and is efficient for about 15 to 20 minutes per game and doesn't find himself in foul trouble. That's how he becomes, you know, he lives up to the expectations. Now, if he wants to absolutely blow expectations out of the water, his jump shooting translates, it really develops in the NBA, and his post moves translate. He's currently projected as a finisher off of others' creations, so pick and rolls, dump offs, put backs, things like that. But can he create even the slightest 
amount for himself of points. And that would do absolute wonders for him. So I'm going to keep diving into some of these big men scouting reports. I'm going to come back and do Kevin Aluma and uh, Colin Castleton's together. But first, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, and more importantly, insiders and athletes, a little bit more higher profile than me. But in case you don't already use Locker Room, I, I can't tell you enough good things about it. I'm on it almost every single day, personally. Uh, just from personal experience, I've made a lot of new Twitter friends and Twitter you know, followers even because of it, and just smart people are on that app. It's very, very interactive, user-friendly. Uh, and it's recently expanded to some Android devices uh, for I or excuse me for beta, but it's on all iOS devices. So be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whichever sports group that you're a fan of. I I do NBA and have follow all the teams. It's honestly the best route. That way you're pretty much alerted anytime any any NBA room goes live if that's what you're into. So go ahead and download the app from the App Store, and I can't wait to see you there. Locker room changing the way we talk about sports. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. So if you listened to my Trey Mann scouting report, you probably were wondering about some of the other teammates of Trey Mann's because he has several other prospects, I think two to be exact, on that Florida team as, uh, as prospects alongside him. And one of those has been one of the biggest breakout players, mostly over the last month of the season, which is Colin Castleton. He's a transfer from Michigan. He transferred into Florida. And he absolutely skyrocketed. He went from a combined over the first two years at Michigan, he barely played. He played a combined 11 minutes per game, averaged four points per game in those 11 minutes, really didn't get a chance to do much. He comes to Florida one year there, and he is averaging 12 points per game, 6.4 rebounds per game, and assists per game, half of a steal, 2.3 blocks per game, and two turnovers per game. And that's on 59.7% shooting. And also, he didn't take any threes and 78% from the free throw line. So Colin Castleton's a pretty interesting prospect. I I think he's one of the truly more underrated rim runners in this class because that's most likely his role. He's 6'11", 231 per basketball reference. I I think with him, you're looking at just getting strictly a 20 minutes per game guy. You're not looking at a starter under most circumstances. A guy who can run the floor pretty well isn't, you know, going to – be a liability on the defensive end. I think he blocks shots really well. He finishes at the rim at an excellent rate. Uh, I don't know the exact number. I'm, I'm pulling it up as I speak. I probably should have been slightly more prepared on that. But, uh, yep, yeah, shot 70% at the rim, so that's a very high level. I think I've talked about this before, but if you can shoot over 70%, you're in good hands. So good finisher, pretty good uh, out of the pick and roll mostly, which is for a big man an absolute must in this NBA. The other thing for him, the free throw percentage was 82% last year while he was shooting one a game and then 78% on four attempts per game. So there is jump shooting potential. The jump shot itself isn't so great right now. I've seen him take a few mid-range shots and it's not the prettiest thing, but it's also not broken. So it's just probably further along. And I think something to keep in mind when you talk about and think about Castleton is, you know, he's probably not going to be if he's drafted, say he's drafted this year, he's probably not contributing to your team and winning right away. That's something that you have to keep in mind and understand that, hey, he's a project, but if he pans out, he's going to play a valuable role on any championship team, really. Um, I think for him, his selling cards is absolutely 
his rim running ability, rim protection, and ability to switch if he needs to. And also being able to be a pick and roll man. I think with him, I wouldn't expect him really to go earlier than 50, 40 maybe. You know, he made a name for himself at in those uh, NCAA tournament games and even in the conference tournament. He's an absolute machine around the rim on both ends. Again, just kind of about developing the upside. So he's someone who I think could see a little bit of a draft boost, especially if, like, say right now, I, I don't know what he's working on, you know, but I think, say, he's working on his jump shot and, and workouts he impresses, that could really skyrocket his stock. I, I ultimately see him staying in the draft class. I don't see much of a way he returns. I think he'd be kind of silly not to stay in just because his stock is so high. And recency bias matters. So I think he should stay in the draft. I would take him an undrafted free agency in a heartbeat for most teams. Um, I think you look at a team like the Dallas Mavericks, right? They love those rim running guys who could potentially shoot. Honestly, does remind me, I know I've already used this guy's name in the Charles Bassey comparison, but I think he reminds me a bit of a former Mavs role player, Salah Mejri, in the way that he's just so lanky and athletic. But he doesn't do a lot offensively, so he's he is slightly limited. I think that's a quality undrafted free agent pickup. Even even though I know it sounds weird promoting someone to go to the draft being undrafted um, as their range, I think it could still work for him. So for him to exceed expectations, pretty much it would be developing that jump shot. If he wants to meet expectations, he's a quality rim runner. And if he doesn't meet expectations, it's because he's not able to keep up athletic or excuse me with the strength. He needs to add a lot of strength, so maybe that would hold him back. So the next player I want to talk about is Virginia Tech's Keve Aluma. I've seen him measured at both 6'9 and 6'10, depending on where you get the source. He's a transfer from Wofford, sat out last season, came in this year as a power forward, uh, also weighs 235 pounds. Sorry for not including that. His season averages were 15 points per game, 8 rebounds per game, 2 assists per game, almost a steal per game at 0.7, 1.3 blocks per game, and 1.9 turnovers. And that was on 49% shooting from the field, 35% from three, and 72% from the free throw line. So immediately with Keve Aluma, you can probably tell that the jump shooting is a swing skill for him. You know, the 72% from the line and 35% from three is quite average, but he has a great feel for the game and it's developed. That jump shot has developed. If you look at his year over year, he didn't even take any threes at at Wofford except like heaves their last second shots and his free throw percentage jumped from 57 to 72%. So the jump shot is very clearly improved. And I think that's something very important to look at that it did develop and it probably still can develop. He loves that bank mid range shot, kind of like Tim Duncan. Um, I think something like that is a pretty highly developed skill. So I project his jump shot as working in the NBA. He also has a great feel for the game again with the work ethic, I think that's an outstanding combination. He's outstandingly skilled in the post, has good post moves, good post touch, and also he has good foot speed defensively, so he's been labeled as versatile in college. I don't know how versatile he'll actually be in the NBA, but it is something worth mentioning that you know he can guard guys, and he's not an absolute liability. His biggest issue is honestly just he lacks explosiveness. He doesn't really dunk. He doesn't finish in traffic uh, over guys. He doesn't you know, blow you away defensively, doesn't lock you up, but he's also not going to be a liability. So for Keve Aluma, 
I think someone that really jumps out as a player comparison for him immediately is Frank Kaminsky. Does a lot of similar stuff. The shooting can just vary game to game. It's not a fully developed skill. Isn't outstanding on defense, but also isn't uh, really a liability kind of in that neutral range. To an extent, I think that might almost be overpraising Kaminsky somewhat, but uh, just as prospects, that's kind of how they were viewed. The feel for the game is there for both. I think the issue for Aluma, and this would be, you know, the way he doesn't meet expectations, is his game is kind of outdated. You know, the post-minded can kind of stretch the floor, doesn't always prefer to, even though he's good out of the pick-and-pop and good in pick-and-roll situations. His ability to, with his lack of athleticism and his, you know, combination of that in just old school game. I don't know what value that necessarily has in the NBA and it's not a knock on his skill set or anything like that. It's just, it's unfortunate. It doesn't necessarily fit, but that would be his worst case scenarios that it holds him back. Truly. Um, His median outcome is probably just making a team because I know he does have an uphill battle. It's not the greatest title being from Wofford and transferring to Virginia tech. Neither are great, you know, recognition spots, but I think he could really, make some damage done, make some noise, excuse me, in the in the draft workouts. So I think that's something for him that he could be a riser into the two-way contract range. I think if he meets expectations, his jump shot has, keeps developing. His feel for the game and quick feet, quick enough feet aren't hurting him, and they're actually almost helping him. So those are that's what I would say would be Keve Aluma's outlook. I don't really see a way he gets drafted if he does 55 to 60, but most likely a two-way guy. Um, he is someone who I think deserves to be a little bit more on some boards. He's played a little bit too well not to be, especially, you know, because shooting among big men is just such a value trait. I don't know. I think someone like him with his work ethic and high feel for the game should probably be above in the top 100 pretty safely, but you probably won't see it too much elsewhere. But he's in my top 100 uh, in the 90s currently. I don't have a set ranking on guys that low, but he is worth talking about because I think he'll get a two-way contract offer from someone. So when I get back, I have one more prospect I want to dive into, and I think he's a little bit higher ranked than actually all three of these guys. He's my number one player of the four. Uh, But first, quick little word from our friends at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, prices, etc. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and for the same and they are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us? box so they know we sent you and that's two words l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n locked on and tell them we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com betonline.ag is the easiest and fastest way to bet on all your sports action 
Baseball and basketball season are in full swing, and you can track all the action on betonline.ag. Get all the news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs for the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And for that, you'll use promo code Locked On, and that one will be one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, and get that 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. Again, my name is Richard Stamen. Uh, for this final segment, I want to go a little bit more in-depth on uh, this player. And bear with me as I pronounce his name. I know it's one of the harder names in the draft to announce, uh, pronounce. And that is Sandro Mamukelashvili from Seton Hall. He's a, I, I don't know if he's a power forward or a center. He's really hard to classify. I really don't even know if he has a position but he's as close to a point center, point forward as there is in this draft class. He is, I'll read you some of his season stat lines. So he's a 6'11", 240-pound big man from the Republic of Georgia, originally through the way of Monteverde Academy in Seton Hall. Is a four-year guy. And Sandro really broke out in that fourth year. He kind of showed flashes in his junior year, but this year as a senior, he averaged 17.5 points per game. 7.6 rebounds per game, 3.2 assists per game, one steal a game, and half a block per game. Had 3.3 turnovers, so pretty much equal one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. And he did that on 43% shooting, 33.5% from three, and 71% from the free throw line. So I'm going to assume right away the stats just don't stand out, and I probably didn't sell you too well off the stats, but that's okay because I think what he does – isn't necessarily about production yet. I think it's more about the upside that he could produce. So obviously I'm probably a little bit biased being a Mavs fan. And you're probably wondering why I'm even choosing to do big men this week, but uh, I never even explained that. I am a Mavs fan, obviously, hence the name Mavs draft. And I've seen the interior defense and interior offense even struggle just so much over the last week that I was desperate to look at some guys who, if the Mavs wanted to buy into the second round, who they could get, or maybe even get an undrafted free agency. I would have talked about my guy Jericho Sims because I think he is the best undrafted free agency big that will be available, but I've already done an episode on him. If you haven't heard it, go check it out. But Sandro, I don't know if he actually even is a second-round pick. I have him with a first-round grade. Currently, he's sitting number 25, 24 on my board, depending on the day. Obviously, again, the production just it doesn't stand out, so I get why it's not the best you know, he may not be a first round pick or even first round talent if you think about it, but like based on stats only. But if you look at what he does, his role is just so unique that I I think that someone like him is worth taking at the end of the first round, taking the flyer on, because I don't think he really fails in a way that like he's not out of the league in three years. I think he's going to stay around just because he's a stretch five. He's a playmaking five, doesn't offer a ton on defense. And obviously the efficiency wasn't great as a 6'11 big man in college where he probably should have been better. Um, I think you look at what he does, I think the jump shot is absolutely going to translate. He can shoot it from pretty much anywhere. He has point guard range on his jump shot. It's really weird. I mean, he is a point guard or a shooting guard 
in a power forward or center's body. So automatically he's going to be unique and kind of be out of spot. He's almost an oversized combo guard if you think about it. So he can spot up from anywhere. He can kind of pick and pop. He can run a pick and roll, which is just unbelievable. He has really good vision, passes out of the pick and roll as a finisher well, can pass out of drives, finds guys in the corners. And he's somewhat efficient with both hands. He doesn't shy away from driving on, you know, with his right hand, his offhand, uh, because he is a lefty, I should say. So that's something that's really important. You see him being a little bit ambidextrous, not scared to go at guys. He's not the craziest athlete. I'd say he's a mild athlete given his size, but he's not bad, which I think is important as a playmaking five. And he also has good handles. Like he has a nice between the legs move that he can use going forward, backwards, or laterally. So he has a lot of options. He almost has a bag and he can break guys down one-on-one. I've seen him go against other big men. If they're not quick enough, he'll take them to school. Um, unfortunately his biggest weakness, his two biggest weaknesses are probably finishing at the rim. Hence the 43%, uh, just wasn't very strong around there. And also defensively, he does have some issues, uh, mostly in decision-making. And I think that kind of haunts him on both ends, hence the equal turnover and assist ratio ratio. Uh, but the one glimmer of hope is that, you know, he is a good on ball defender, has the feet to move and handle a guy one-on-one. I just don't know how he is as a team defender. And as a big man, that's very important. You want your big men to be valuable team defenders and not be missing rotations. So someone like him is a very intriguing prospect. I, again, have him in the 24 range. Uh, His best tools are that he's super unique as a point forward, point center, and he can space the floor and break guys down. Potential as a three-level score, which you don't really hear from big men very often. I don't know if he gets drafted first round, though. All of that being said, even though I have the grade, I'd be shocked to see him go before 28, 29, 30 in the first round, and he probably goes around 40, 45, just because that efficiency can probably scare some teams away. I think he doesn't meet expectations in this draft. Uh, or Yeah, he doesn't meet expectations if he can't shoot the 33.5% three is real. You know, the free throw percentage isn't too strong. And overall, you know, the college game was just too, he was too good for college, but not good enough for the NBA, maybe too quick for him. Median outcome is that he makes the team and he probably is a bench floor spacer that can pass too. I I really don't know any players like him. I'm not going to say someone has a similarity because I know it's already popping in your head because there's only one point center in the NBA and he's probably the MVP of the league. He's not Nikola Jokic. So let's get that out of the way right now. There's 0% chance he is a Nikola Jokic. Um, I think he meets, or excuse me, he yeah, he meets expectations, though, again, just being able to stay on the floor and space the floor. Um, and he exceeds the expectations. Honestly, if that point forward ability translates, he's probably hitting his ceiling. And I think that's a quality starter. I think you could start him as a versatile big man. Uh, you know, I don't know how familiar everybody is if I'm just talking about something nobody knows about with the Mavs, but they have the worst big man rotation. However, it kind of offers a unique perspective because they run out lineups with, you know, Dwight Powell and Kristaps Porzingis, Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleber and and, uh, Kristaps Porzingis. And I think that offers almost a little bit of a give and take kind of approach where, you know, you could put him out there with a defensive pure rim protector, like say the Atlanta Hawks get Sandro. You could easily, in this ceiling approach, have Sandro next to Clint Capella or Onyeka Kongwu, 
something like that works. And that's his ceiling is starting next to a rim protector that kind of, they play off of each other and their strengths and weaknesses kind of go hand in hand. So that's Sandro Mamu Kelashvili. I'm really high on him. I think you absolutely should be too. He's far and away my top ranked player of the four. Um, but I'll keep this up. I love doing the sleepers. And uh, if you have any suggestions or any players you want me to start taking deep dives into, just at me uh, in the replies to this at Mavs Draft on Twitter is where you can find me. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of Locked On NBA Draft. Don't forget to also listen to Locked On Today podcast with uh, Peter Bukowski. He'll update you with the latest news in every major sport uh, with also local experts. So follow Locked On Today on Odyssey. And then also follow us, Locked On NBA Draft. Raphael is on Mondays and Thursdays, and the Draft Dummies are on Wednesdays. So they're the next show. Be sure to like it. You know, subscribe, all that five stars uh, really helps us out a lot. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day.